It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. In just 15 years, Devon Franklin has climbed the ladder from intern at Will Smith's production company to vice president at Columbia Pictures. His resume includes hits like The Karate Kid, The Pursuit of Happiness, and Jumping the Broom. That's when he got to know actress Megan Good a little better. Now they are engaged and about to jump the broom themselves. Devon has always put his faith front and center. He found solace in the church after his father died suddenly when he was just nine. He discovered that's where he felt most at home, and he started preaching, giving his first sermon at 15, using the filmmaking process as a metaphor for finding direction, meaning, and purpose in our lives. Devon calls his new book a roadmap for success. What a treat it was to sit down with this dynamo and talk about what's it like to be produced by faith. So this is exciting. I think this was such an interesting... I have read every book, self-help book. I have since 1975. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I have not come across one such as this, produced Mm. by faith, where you're looking at the purpose and intention of your life through... Like like building the arc of a play or a movie. Yes, I realized in reading your book that I that, that that's exactly how I've lived my life. I am produced by faith. I didn't. I never thought of it that way before. Yeah. Which is the classic aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had an right, aha right. moment reading your book that oh, I too am produced by faith yeah. by allowing the vision that God holds for your life to be the premier direction that you follow. Absolutely, because what I began to realize is that. God is our director. Uh-huh. And in move, the movie business, people have a hard time understanding how movies are made. Yeah. I mean, you know, I work for a studio, and I tell you, my mom can't even tell you exactly what I do. Yeah. You know, and so I wanted to help people understand how films are made okay. and use that as a parallel to understand that you are the star of your own movie. Okay. So one of the things that you say uh, that really struck me is that if we look at our life as a movie and God as the director yes. of our movie, yes. then... We use our faith to help propel us forward and trusting in the director, yes. correct? Yes, Okay. absolutely. Because what I realize is that sometimes we, in the most difficult times in our story, we begin to lose faith. Okay, listen to, listen to what you yes. said. Okay. I love this part. The trouble is, is that when you are a character in a story, 
when you are immersed in it. You can't see how things will progress in the future, that you lack perspective. It's, uh, let me put on my glasses. It's tough to lose the job you love, shrug and say, oh, well, God is obviously putting me in a position for something better to happen in a few weeks. That's normally not what we do. We go, no. oh, Lord. It's all well, over. All over. Why That's did right. this happen That's to right. me? Okay? It becomes very easy to assume that things will always be the way they are today. You know, I was just talking to Sarah Bunbronick, and she wrote this incredible book called Simple Abundance. I had on the show, she sold five million copies. Five million. Five million Hallelujah. copies. Hallelujah. <laughs> and as a result of that success, she thought, she said to me, she always thought it would be that way. Mm. And I said, oh, for God's sake, for God's sake, yeah, that's yeah. a phenomenon. Yeah, no, yeah. Nobody sells five, five million, million copies. Yeah. copies. Yeah. And when that happens to you, you have to accept that as a phenomenal Absolutely. God thing that's happened, you can't expect that the next book you write is gonna do the same thing. You can, but doesn't mean it's going doesn't to. Doesn't mean, because that's what you're saying. <laughs> right. So when I read this, I thought of that. When things are going well, we sometimes lose perspective yeah. and start to think we're in control of things. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. all it takes is one wrong turn and we quickly remember that's just not true. Don't go anywhere, more to come after this short break. No two travelers are exactly alike. And that means no two trips should be either. Texas' vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. Are you a beach person? Well, you'll be having fun under the sun with Texas' 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies can't get enough of Texas' world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, Visit internationally recognized art museums and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Macy's Mother's Day gift guide has the perfect gift to make mom feel special. Shop by price, like 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and for grandma. Get top gifts like Dolce & Gabbana Devotion, Eau de Parfum, Coach Floral Printed Leather Cassie Crossbody Bag, and Le Creuset Shallot Dutch Oven. Shop at Macy's.com slash gift finder. Here's what I love. Page 12. The truth is you and I are in control of only two things. How we prepare, get this everybody, this is where you're gonna to want to write this down, tweet, tweet. We're in control of only two things, how we prepare yeah. for what might happen and how we respond to what just happened. The moment when things actually do happen belongs to God. Amen. Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. Amen, it's true, it's true because what happens is the moments when things happen in our life we don't control. In a moment, life can change for the better or what in the moment may seem for the worse. Yeah. So our job is to prepare, to read. For only two things. That's right. Prepare for what might happen. That's right. And then how we respond That's to right. what has happened. Because so many times what keeps us in that valley of depression, that keeps us in that valley of frustration is our response to a moment and not recognizing that it is exactly that. It's a moment. You know, in the context of the book, it's one scene of your movie. Yeah. You know, what makes a great movie are scenes that are put together of great conflict. Okay. Continuing, uh, in Produced by Faith, 
The key is remembering your story. Mm -hmm. The spiritual career journey parallels the steps involved in bringing a movie from the initial idea to theatrical release, which is what you do. Yes. You start with the kernel of an idea. A process known as development and production. Yes. And don't we know development can take forever? Forever. Forever. Literally. Literally. <laughs> I mean, there's some movies I've worked on for over, you know, 10 years. In this process, you are God's writing partner. I love this. God is the director, and each step is crucial. No idea becomes a movie, this is key, without passing through these stages. And even though some of these stages can be difficult, tedious, even painful, each leads to the next and hopefully to success. Yeah. So we're all, aren't we always in our development stage? In some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, I would argue that not, some of us are actually, you know, in production. I would say, okay, someone like you is probably working on the sequel. Yeah. You know, so you have gone through the phases of development, production, you've that had success. That could have been, instead of next chapter, I could have called it working on the sequel. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> um, but Oprah, yeah. the sequel. That's, that's good. That's okay. what's happening right now. Okay. You know? um, and so some of us are most of the time in development. And development, as you said, is super hard mm -hmm. because we don't ever think we're going to go to that next level of our life. We don't so ever actually what you say in the book is that development begins when you have the first vision of what you can be. Correct? Exactly. You can't write a movie unless you know what the movie's supposed to be about. That's what development is. Sometimes we get so frustrated in our lives, but we have to go back and say, wait a minute, do I understand what the big idea of my life is supposed to be? Oh. If my life is a story, then I have to know the point of my story. And sometimes what happens when we start developing a movie, the producers may have one vision of what the movie's supposed to be, and the studio has another right. version, and then the movie becomes nothing because there's not clarity of idea. So with our life, we have to have clarity of what we're supposed to do. What do we believe we're called to do in this life? And in that way, it gives our whole development process more shape. I am getting goosebumps right now. You know mm. why? why? Because I know that the way that landed with me and the way I heard it, that anybody who's hearing you also can hear that, mm -hmm. can feel the kernel of, if you are not in control of the development of your life yeah. or aware yeah. that your life needs developing, and are just waking up every morning, going to a job, going through the motions, getting your paycheck, then you are really, it's, I always say, it's sort of like being the walking dead, yeah. that you're not in control, you're not helping to co-create right. your life with the right. ultimate creator. It's so true because sometimes, you know, you're going from scene to scene to scene with no idea of what your intention is. In development, not only do you co-write the script with God, but you are the star of your story. And there's nothing worse than when you do, are on set and you see an actor in a scene who doesn't know the intention. Yes! Because then the scene goes all over the place. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. In our life... If you don't, uh, that's why actors will often say, tell me what's my motivation. Exactly. exactly. What's my motivation? Exactly. So it's important in life to know what our motivation is so it gives each scene that we're in more purpose than it otherwise would don't have Don't you find it sad that... Uh, I mean, I see this, obviously in the work that I do, and you see it in the work that you do, yeah. that most people are not in recognition yeah. of that fact. It is, it's why I do what I do. It's why I wanted to write the book. It's why I preach. It's why I, I make movies, to help people get more purpose and more awareness. Sometimes people have no perspective. So you're in a situation, you're going day to day, month to month, a year to year, without saying, wait a minute, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. So if you could just get people to awaken, if in a moment, yeah. You have a little bit of perspective. Yeah. In those moments of inspiration is when change can happen. Yeah. yeah. 
We're not going to get through every single chapter, but I just want people to get a sense of when you write and produce by faith that it's actually a step-by-step plan for how you can begin to look at your own life as your own personal movie development script and putting that into action and get it greenlit by the powers that be. That's right. By the powers that are. So my favorite, one of my favorite things to talk about these days is that we're in a culture that you say, first line of chapter two. We live in a world obsessed with instant success. Obsessed with it. What has happened to us that we think, you know, that by the time you're 30, I know. <laughs> By the time you're 30, I know, I you're know. supposed to be the president That's right. That's right. That's of right. Columbia Pictures. I know. Yeah. I know. You know, I mean, first of all, I'm thankful that God did not give me everything that I wanted, you know, mm-hmm. when I was praying for it, when I was going to college and saying, here's what I want to do yeah. by the time I'm 30. Were you those, uh, my five-year plan? My oh, yeah. T- oh, yeah. You had oh, that. yeah. I had everything laid out, you know. Which is good to an extent, because at least it. you have a vision. That's right. That's right. right. But I think what has happened is that in this pop culture, you know, through various shows, you know, various music and whatnot. Yeah. Um, there has been an over-obsession on you can make it overnight. Yes. You just don't wake up one day and win American Idol. I argue that those who win American Idol, basically that's a payoff for years of suffering and that's struggle right. that no one ever sees. It's what Malcolm Gladwell talks about in Outliers as a 10,000 hours. Absolutely. To be but really good at something, you got to put, you gotta in, put in that much time. 10,000 hours. Like the Beatles before we saw them on... Ed Sullivan yeah. had already put in the 10,000 right. hours. That's yes. right. So what happened to them in the world was just exactly that. Yes. It was already, they had already put in the time. Yeah. And what happened in the world was just memorializing the things they had already done. But what I see, and what I think is, you know, I talk about in the book, which I, it's unfortunate, is that what is fame? People aspire to fame without any means to an end. I'm like, well, what? Okay, so you're famous. Now what? What are you famous for? When you're trying to aspire to what to do in the world, I argue don't put fame as your end game. You know, what is your purpose? If you become famous because you are rarefied in what you do and you operate in the seat of your purpose and there's no one else in the world that does it and because of that, fame is a part of it, fantastic. Fantastic. But I argue that if you shoot for fame without any understanding of what you're supposed to do when you're there, it will be destructive. It will be destructive. It will be destructive. There's no question that you know. it eventually does. It I does. mean, it's just physical law yeah. says that it has that, yeah. that has to work that way. So how do you define Success. You have to define success. One, I define success as peace. Mm. Do you like me too? <laughs> You're my kind of guy. That's right. That's right. There's nothing without that. No. Okay, go. I'll let you finish. Go ahead. Who you? Who looks back at you in the mirror? Mm-hmm. Do you like that person? Mm-hmm. Are you at peace? Are with you that? at peace with that person? Okay. Are you content? Yeah. That is the foundation of success. Mm-hmm. You can be the most famous person in the world yeah. and not have peace. And Don't I would we argue, know a few of them. <laughs> we do. Yeah. We do. <laughs> um, and I would argue you're, you're, you're not successful. You know, we cannot allow external forces to tell us we are successful. So, so I would add one other thing sure. to that. I would say uh, a sense of peace, a contentment, mm-hmm. and a full... A f- fulfillment. Fulfillment. Yes. A fulfillment. Yes. yes. Yeah. When you are fulfilled by what you do. Yeah. You are fulfilled when you get up in the morning. You know, so many times we wake up in the morning, we're depressed, we're down, we're angry, we're frustrated. But when you can wake up saying, I'm glad to be alive. Mm -hmm. There is purpose to this day. Mm -hmm. To me, that is success. And I would argue that once you have that internal success, then externally, it's just a manifestation of what happens internally in the best possible way. One of my favorite uh, thought leaders, uh, spiritual teachers, is Gary Zukav, who's been on uh, Super Soul several times. And his definition of authentic power, he says, is when you uh, allow the personality 
to serve the energy of the soul mm, or the spirit. When the and, and, and I interpret that to mean that when you use your personality yeah. to serve the higher energy of your spirit. Mm -hmm. So you're just letting that personality work for yeah. the spirit yeah. in you. Yeah. And, yeah, and and that to me is is what I like to talk about and call that is embracing your true self. Yeah. Because sometimes we... So we all have different language, yeah. languaging for it. Yes. Yeah, but we're saying the same thing. Because we don't believe. People, that's, people don't believe that they're good enough. Yeah. They don't believe they have what it takes. But when you embrace who you are and not worry about fitting in anybody's box. Yeah. Well, you know, they don't believe they have what it takes. I think a lot of people don't believe they have what it takes because they're comparing themselves yes. to everybody else instead of looking at in, themselves. I, yeah. I tell people, stay in your own movie. We're over here oh, looking at other people's that. movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you have no idea. You look at someone else's movie, and in one scene, it looks like they're on the top. But yeah, you yeah, have yeah. no idea what's getting ready to happen in that next scene. Yeah. So you stay in your movie, you focus on your scene, you become the best that you can be, yeah. and you'll be surprised at how great your own story works yeah. out. Yeah, continue to refine Absolutely. and develop your own script. Absolutely, yeah. and, and, and your own character. I love that, I'm gonna start using that. <laughs> stay in, in your, your own, own movie. movie. That's right, that's stay right. Stay out of mine. Stay out of mine, and yeah. I'll stay out of yours. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Some things should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be entertaining. Entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests, not banks. PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us, without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. So the book is called Produced by Faith. Yeah. And, you know, I, I highly recommend it to anybody who's looking for a way to fulfill their purpose in life, which who, isn't everybody. Yes. Isn't everybody. Absolutely. So what does faith mean to you? What does it mean? Define that. Uh, faith primarily, you know, first and foremost means belief in God, mm -hmm. you know, and a trust in God. Uh, and I have faith in his will. I have faith uh, in his love for me. Uh, and when you say his will, what does that mean? Uh, means the reason why I was created. Mm -hmm. It means that there was an understanding of what he wanted me to do in the okay. world. So do you believe that for every single human being on the planet, seven billion of us, that the fulfillment of that person's manifestation as a human being means that the creator, God, mm -hmm had a plan for each of those? I do. You do? I do. Mm -hmm. I absolutely believe that. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we have to have faith. Faith in God mm -hmm. is where it starts. I also mm -hmm. think that faith in yourself 
you know, faith in believing that you have in you all that you need to be successful. So many times we look to other people and say, oh, if I was just them, mm -hmm. or oh, if I had their opportunities, not right. realizing it's all in you. Right. And what you go through brings what's already in you out. Okay, so what path or religion are you mm -hmm. in your pursuit of perfection with God? <laughs> what were what, what, what um, you? I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. Okay, and what um, does that mean? Seventh-day Adventist is a Christian denomination, mm -hmm. and one of the things that we believe is observing the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. uh, so from a young child, you know, being brought up, I was always brought up with Sabbath observance. So Friday night sundown, Saturday night sundown, as mentioned in the Ten Commandments, remember the seventh day to keep it holy. Uh, and then also Jesus uh, observed Sabbath as well. Yeah. So it's one day where I don't check my emails, I don't respond to work calls, I don't read From Friday night. Friday night sundown. Sundown. To Saturday night sundown. Yeah. No work. You don't check your emails? No. That's, that's, like, a, there's a that's, a, that's like against the commandment of Hollywood, <laughs> that thou shalt carry thy Blackberry at all times. But you know what? Here's a good yes. thing. When you set boundaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up front. Up front. Here's what my commitment is. So we all agree. I love this, Before we even Devon. take the job or go yeah. down the road. Yeah. Here's a commitment. Yeah. Are we all agreeing this is okay? Mm -hmm. So then all I have to do is just make sure I keep the commitment. Yeah. Because the moment I break it yes. is the moment they realize, oh, well, he wasn't that serious. Mm -hmm. But for me, Sabbath is a time to recharge. It's a time to rest. It's a time to spend time with my family. Uh, it's a time to spiritually reconnect. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. What is interesting is that you allow your faith, yeah. your belief in God to be at the forefront of who you are yeah. in a place where... Most of us, and you even say in the book, I remember when I said to my father, um, I was like 13, 14, Dad, I, I'm going to be an actress. No daughter of mine is going to be going out to Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, boy. Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the line. Sodom yes. and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, right. So you're living in what a lot of certainly traditional Christian people see yeah. Hollywood as the land of everything but following the path of, of your faith. How, how, how do you make it out there? <laughs> well, you make it by being true to yourself. Mm -hmm. And like literally for your, for your first job, I mean, I'm sorry yeah, to interrupt. Okay, for thanks. your first job, uh, working as an intern with yes. Will Smith, yes. you say to them, yeah. look, I have to have the Sabbath yes. off, yes. which may I just confess that I learned in my first meeting with Devon, all these years I thought the Sabbath was Sunday. Yeah. I've been going to church. We say worship on the Sabbath, worship on the Sabbath in the Baptist church. And you corrected me. You said, no, Sunday is the first day of the week. Yeah. Sabbath is Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. That's right. That's I right. stand corrected. <laughs> Amen. So you go to your first job yeah. with Will Smith yes. and say, look, I'm really excited to be here, but, but I have to have Friday. Friday night sundown, Saturday night sundown off. And what happened was, it was Weren't you scared to say that? Yeah, I was scared. It, didn't, it wasn't intentional. Like you, it wasn't intentional. It wasn't intentional. But I'm there in the interview. Yes. And God starts to, literally, it feels like he's speaking to me. You know, because she, everything goes great. I feel like, okay, yeah, I got this in the bag. You know how you just go in and you, you yeah, land, hey, it's that. all good. But at the end of the interview, it was like God was saying, tell her about the Sabbath. And I'm like... No, I'll tell her after I get the internship. <laughs> after I get the after job. After I get what I want. I'll tell them. Right. Yeah. But he said, no, be obedient. And so I said, man, all right. Well, here's the thing. I can't take this internship if I have to work Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown because I observe the Sabbath. And she was quiet. And then after a moment, she said, don't worry. Work around that. And I said, hallelujah. And what it did was wow. it gave me confidence that if I embrace who I am, wow. it will open doors, not shut them. Also, 
That's really big. Hold that a moment. Pause. Tweet, tweet. <laughs> okay, good. Go ahead. But also, <laughs> thinking about doors, right? Yeah. If your faith won't fit in the door that opens, yeah. then I argue, do not walk through that door. The door that God Whoa, has opened boy, for you will fit your faith. So what you say on page 58, you are collaborating with God on the script of your life. Just as a screenwriter sweats through multiple drafts to perfect his characters, God is working to help you mm. perfect your character. Your ability, this is I love, I get, I get tears when I think of this. Your ability to manage people, create relationships, help others based on integrity, and so on. To achieve this, this is a moment he will always steer you into conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I know, because there is no story without conflict. There is no story without conflict. And that is the hardest lesson for us to realize yes. and accept. Yes. That conflict is not always punitive, and it's not because he's angry with us. It's because he loves us so much. He knows that we will not grow if we don't have it. Conflict is the key to everything in drama, whether it's film, live theater, fiction, or television. Yeah. And so without our own conflict in life, you really wouldn't be building the character and integrity right. required to finish the story. Absolutely. And also manage what you aspire to achieve. Conflict helps prepare us. So let's say you want to be president of the company. The conflict you face along the way gives you lessons so that when you are president, you have the ability to manage because you go back and you remember all of the situations you've been through. So when things are brought to you, you refer to that conflict as a way to understand how to manage whatever is coming to you. Well, let's, let's, let's get down to basics now. Sure. Because you say God is the director of your life. So if you're a person who is seeking to be connected to that which is the creator, that is the source of all things, how do you begin to surrender yourself to that energy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you begin with one, remembering that uh, when you look at the context of film, a director wants the best out of your performance. The movie is most successful when your performance is at its best level. So when we think about God mm -hmm. as our director, mm -hmm. you have to remember that God loves you mm -hmm. and he wants the best out of you. The idea and those tapes that were put into your head that God is a punitive God, he's a negative God, he is a, he's a, uh, an angry God, get rid of that. The God that you have to then begin to accept is a loving God who is trying to direct you into success, who wants the very best out of your story. So when did you finally get that? Did you have to go through a lot of conflict to get to oh, yeah. that relationship yeah. with God? Yes. Um, you know, as a child, when I was uh, nine years old, my father died. Uh, died of a heart attack at 36. He mm -hmm. was age 36. And that experience was traumatic. Mm -hmm. Because was... you couldn't understand why your father, who yes. was trying to reconstruct his life, yes. why now that he's trying to do better, did this happen? Absolutely. Have you ever been able to resolve that question for yourself? Um, you know, it, it's, it's only resolved in the context of, you know, my life is a story. Mm -hmm. And I understand that that conflict that I've faced has made me stronger mm -hmm. and it has informed the man that I've become. Mm -hmm. uh, do I fully get exactly why it happened when it did? I do not. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can't wait to find out, you know, when we meet Jesus, say, Lord, tell me what happened and mm -hmm. why. Mm -hmm. um, but that conflict was so difficult. Mm -hmm. It was so traumatic because as a young man, you know, being a middle child of three boys, mm -hmm. you know, I always felt alone. I, I never felt like I was a part of the crowd. Uh, and then so how'd you get to know God so well? How'd y'all get to hang out? Because <laughs> this is out. <laughs> um, when my father passed away, uh, it was the same year that my uncle started uh, our church in Oakland. Mm 
And that year is when I really threw myself into church. And, you know, instead of rebelling and getting angry, I got angry but decided I'm going to make something of myself. You became a reverse rebel. That's right, a rebel, a rebel in reverse, yeah. exactly. And through that process of, you know, sweeping floors, vacuuming the church, showing up, ushering, uh, deaconing, directing the choir, all of these things, that laid the foundation for my relationship with God. But I really didn't come to know who God was until college. When I was a, you know, freshman year, you know how it is, you leave for college and you've never been out in the world before. You're like, okay. Hey. Hey, exactly, yeah. exactly. Party over here, you know? <laughs> and uh, I, pl I did plenty of that. Uh, and through that process, freshman year, is when I began to question every single thing that I believed up to that point. I began to question who is God? What does he want? Uh, why do I serve him? What is this all about? And that process, you know, that freshman year of college is what really gave me the foundation and for me to have the personal relationship with God, where I began to feel and sense, okay, yeah. he really is for me. I do live for him because I believe in him. I believe in his work. So when you're making decisions about what to do or mm -hmm. not do or the path to take or not take, do you think, what would Jesus do? All the time. All the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes I'm, I'm ashamed because the decisions I make, I'm like, yo, Jesus wouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get yeah. that right. And when you get yourself in trouble, isn't it always when yeah. you have left the center of oh, that Christ consciousness? All the time. Yeah. Because that ambition mm -hmm. and that drive and that determination sometimes gets the best of me. Okay, okay, okay. This is what was interesting because you could see through reading, produced by faith, that there certainly is a great level of ambition in you. Oh, yeah. And sometimes when you were describing that and speak of it, I th that feels like ego to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so sometimes oh, yeah. your ego gets in the way. Oh, My best, yeah. best uh, actually, uh, definition of ego was Wayne Dyer, who was also on Super Soul Sunny, who said his definition of ego is edging God out. <laughs> that's good. That's I like good. that. I almost that's that good. one. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It's true because you edge God out. You move God out of the director's chair, and then you sit down, mm -hmm. and then you say, hey, I know best. And the moment we do that, we are setting ourselves up for our biggest failures. And we have to remember that, that we do have God's grace, that we do have his love. And in those valleys, in those scenes that are really difficult, we don't know how we're going to get out of them, mm -hmm. those are the moments when, in hindsight, we will see his grace was the strongest. Like when you, I talk about pursuit of happiness in the book, um, in the moment where, mm -hmm. you know, Will's in the bathroom with his son. Yes. Uh, which is you a true moment. You had the bathroom moment. moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. My bathroom experience, those of you who saw Pursuit of Happiness, remember when Will Smith is in the bathroom, homeless, his foot is on the door so people can't come through and he's in the bathroom with his son. That, where yes. he has the transformational yes. moment. Yes. Yeah. And what I realized in my bathroom moment, so, you know, you talk about the book, but I'll just clarify. People are like, yes. he's in the bathroom? What's he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was, you know, I was working as an assistant uh, at Will Smith's company. And I was an assistant for his producing partner uh, and manager. And things change. You know, things uh, in the industry, things at the company began to change. And I realized that my promotion probably wasn't coming. And so once I understood that it wasn't coming, months I would go into the office depressed. And one day, I turned on my computer at my cubicle, and I said, I can't do this anymore. Mm. And I went in the bathroom, I shut the stall door, and I had it out with God. I said, Lord, I believe in your word. You said anything I asked for in the name of Jesus, you would do. So Lord, I need you to move on this job today. I don't care what you do. I don't care how you do it. But I can't come in here depressed anymore. You have to open a door today. I go out of the bathroom, I go back to my cubicle. Later on that night, something happened that never happened before. My boss brings me into his office. He sits me down, he says, uh, Devon, Will and I, we love you. You're fantastic. We know you're gonna have a big career, but we also know you hit a wall here. We wish we could promote you, but we can't. 
so we want to help you find a new job. So I walk out of the office thinking, okay, wait a minute, God, you heard me. But I'm like, wait a minute, I got to find a new job. <laughs> God, you heard me, but I think I'm fired. <laughs> He's like, man, I should have changed my prayer. Because yes. he did exactly what I prayed for. But then now, you know, the Bible speaks about faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. So I had the faith, but now I had to put some works behind it. Uh, I go out on interview after interview. I'm at my wit's end. What do I do? Just so happened. I, I wish I'd have known you then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it just so happens that uh, I've always been a fan of T.D. Jakes and always been a fan of Bishop Jakes' sermons. Yeah. And he was preaching in Los Angeles around this time. Of course he was. Of course. Of course. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so I go. He's preaching at the Forum where the Lakers used to play. And I get there so late, I'm in the rafters. Yeah. And he's like a dot on the stage. But he preaches this sermon. That was directed to you. Right, me. Seriously. I know. Seriously. I know. You know how it is. I know. Yes, yes. Exactly. And so this message he preached was called Turn the Page. At the end of Deuteronomy, Moses has died. The Israelites are mourning his death. When you turn the page to the next chapter, God tells Joshua, get up. It's time for you to go into the promised land. Your mourning time is up. And I realized I was crying over a job that was dead. It's time to turn the, turn the page. page. So I go in on Monday, because this was on a Friday night, Yeah. and I put in my two-week notice. I quit. That's yeah. stepping out on faith, man, when you're going to quit the job. But what I realized, though, was my intention was wrong initially. What was it? Because all I wanted was a job. God says, I'm not sending you through this for a job. I got jobs. I have money. I have those things. Do you think I would send you through all of this just so I can give you a job, which is a temporary thing? Right. No, I want a better relationship with you. I want to walk close with you. I want you to let me direct your life. And when I realized that is why this whole thing was happening, I changed my prayer. I leave that day. They throw me a going away party, but I leave that day with my boxes unemployed. And I said, wow, so this is what faith is all about. Wow. I'm like, I'm flying out of the plane. I'm hoping this parachute's going to work. Because that's how you get a closer walk with thee. How you get a closer walk with thee is to walk right through in, in, in faith. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. It doesn't come when you're on the top of the mountain. No. Because you're on the top of the mountain. Yeah. Waving Hello. at the people. <laughs> Hello. It's right. so wonderful up here. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so yes. Monday rolls around. My first day of unemployment. My mom calls the office because I didn't tell her what was going on. Oh, boy. They tell her I'm no longer working there. She calls me frantic. Devon, what are you doing? I said, Ma, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. And so I got off the phone, started watching TV. That afternoon around 5 o'clock, I got a call from an interview I had done about a month prior. He said, uh, Devon, we would like to offer you, you know, an executive position. Do you still want it? I said, hold Hallelujah. on. I said, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I said, yes, yes, I'll take the job. Yes. And we negotiated the salary, and I got off the phone, and I immediately fell to my knees. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Because what I, he wanted me to understand was that success in my life was not going to be because I knew the biggest movie star in the world. It wasn't going to be because I knew the biggest producers in the world or the biggest agents. But if I would just keep my relationship with the God of the universe first, and I would seek him in everything I do, he will work everything else out. And that has been the key to my success from that day to this. Putting him first, trusting in him, and having the faith to let him guide me, even when I couldn't see what he was doing. Mm. What is the soul? Mm, what is the soul? The soul is the spirit. It is the connecting line uh, to God. I believe the soul is where the Holy Spirit resides. I believe that it is literally, you know, when you pick up the phone and that you have your, you know, your 4G network, <laughs> the soul is the 4G network to write to heaven to me. Wow. What is your definition of God? <laughs> 
<laughs> my definition of God. Uh, God is not only the Alpha, the Omega, but he's a friend. He's a confidant. He's a buddy. He is a lover of my soul. That's my definition of God. Have you always considered yourself a spiritual person, or did you have an aha moment when you recognize your connection to something bigger than yourself that we call um, God? Probably when I was right after my father's uh, death mm -hmm. is when I really began to experience who God really was. You know, before then I felt like, you know, I was just going to church. Uh, but when that, you know, literally was just happened and that trauma happened is when I really began to understand that there was uh, a force larger than myself that was consoling me, that was healing me, that was helping me navigate uh, a period of time that I don't think I could have gotten through without him. Yeah, I, I love that you call it, because that's what I call it, a force, yeah. a force. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there a difference in your mind or life between spirituality and religion? Yes, I, I think that religion sometimes is the, uh, the structure mm -hmm. for spirituality. Um, I think that spirituality can exist even outside of religion. Mm -hmm. um, but I do believe that most religions came to be because they wanted to help people understand how to navigate this life from a spiritual standpoint. Can you be spiritual and not religious? Absolutely. Can you be religious and not spiritual? Absolutely. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yes. So what does, okay, this is, you're going to love this. Okay. What does prayer mean to you? Oh, man. Prayer is a lifeline. Prayer is, it means everything because there are moments when I have to express what's on my heart. And so many times, you know, when we can't express and we hold all this stuff in, it begins to come out in other ways. So for me, prayer is therapeutic. It's an opportunity to communicate. And there are times, you know, like I talked about earlier, it's like, God, I don't understand what you're doing. And it lets me feel the communication and the power of our relationship. And it allows me the opportunity to not only express, but to also listen for answers. Where do you feel most at home or at peace? Mm, uh, I have a couple answers to that. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel very much at home on set. Mm -hmm. You know, very much, you know, like, okay, this, this is good, you know, watching where the shots go up and all of that. I feel very at home in a pulpit. You know, I feel very at home preaching. Uh, you know, being able to instruct people, being on a stage. Mm -hmm. That feels very, very like, okay, this is what I was created to do. Mm -hmm. What do you know for sure? <laughs> what I know for sure, God is real and faith works. Mm -hmm. Okay, finish these sentences. The world needs. The world needs more love and a lot more peace. I believe in. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in love. Love is. Love is the most powerful force in the universe. The person I most want to be proud of me is. My father. I'm ready to forgive. Myself. I want my legacy to be. One of an incredible demonstration of the divine power of faith. Fantastic. That's it. That went so I bad. love it. That, that was, was good. good. <laughs> that was good. Really good. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. 
It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.